We're going to continue on our, uh, on our journey of O.S. Hawkins, 52 verses every believer should know. We find ourselves, as you can see there, in, in Romans chapter 8. Now, this is probably a verse that you've quoted, although you usually, I think, we quote part of this, right? We just quote, all things work together for good. That's sort of what we, all, all of this verse that we tend to quote. And yet, there's some really important stuff here before that and after that. We know that all things work together for good. We, the, the, the we know part is, is important. And so, we're going to study our way through this verse. Now, uh, last week we looked at Psalm 23. And, and just like Psalm 23, this verse tends to be used in hard times, Right? It tends to be, we, we drag this one out when things aren't going well, when we're having trouble, when we're, we have a loved one sick. And, and, and I, and I want to emphasize that it's a good use of this verse. However, like with Psalm 23, I think we need to, to think about the truths of this verse even when we're not in trouble. Because all things means the good stuff too. And so we need, as we study our way through this, we'll, uh, we'll see how important, some important truths about this verse. And we're going to subject this verse to the study tips that I've been teaching you, the so what's. We read this verse and say, so what does this say about God? So what does this say about me? And so what do I need to do now that I know this about God and myself? So we're going to study this through using those, and then we're going to look at it phrase by phrase and, and draw out as much of the meaning as we can. So let's read this, and, and you can turn in your Bibles. It is up here behind me, Romans 8, verse 28. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Now, I want to give you the context first because, because context is important. Just before this, like verses 18 to 25, he's been talking about the hope that Christians have, the hope that believers have. And then the, the couple of verses just before this one, 20, uh, 27, 28, he's talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit and, and how the, the Holy Spirit groans for us when we don't know what to pray. And so part of all of the things that work together for the good for us is the Holy Spirit and the hope that we have. This verse is set in the hope we have in Christ. And so as we go forward, let's, uh, we can see it that way. So our first question, what does this say about God? You've heard me say it again and again from this platform. God has a plan for your life. You were made on purpose with a purpose. God has a plan for your life. And, and it, so it, it talks about God's plan. It talks about how, how what it tells us about God is that, that God has a plan even for you. Now, <clears throat> I say that often enough that maybe it just sort of runs over your head now. God has a plan for your life. You hear it all the time. But I want you to think about the implications of that. The God who created everything we know has a plan for your life, personally individually a plan for your life 
Then it also tells us that God is all-powerful and always present, omnipotent and, and uh, omnipotent, or, or omnipotent and, <clears throat> and omnipresent, is how the theologians say it. He is always in charge and always here, all present. He has to be in order to work things together for our good, right? He has to be. There has to be somebody that is fitting this stuff together, and that's God. And so this verse tells us that he is all-present and all-powerful. He has to be all-powerful to, to be able to fix every situation together for your good. And, and that tells us something about God's love for us and his sovereignty as well. He puts your life together for your good. And so this, it tells us a lot about who God is. It tells us that he responds to those who love him. Notice in this verse, it says, all things work together for good for those who love God. Now, I think God is at work in the lives of people that don't, haven't responded to him as well. I think he's, in, he's, he's working in their lives trying to bring them to the point where they know him. But he works in our lives. Those of us who have responded in love to God, he works in our lives to fit it together for our good. The point of Christianity is to form you into the image of Christ. And so, God makes everything in your life fit together to form you into the image of his son. God is caring and loving. Think of, think of the care and concern it takes for, think of this as a parent. Many parents are in here. Think of this as a parent. You try and make the, even the worst situations in your child's life work out for the good. God does that with every one of us. Every single one of us who love God have been, are constantly being fit together, formed into the image of Christ, and everything in our lives fit together for our good. And this tells us that God is a personal God. He knows you personally. Think about this. We, we share many of the struggles of life, but we react to them differently, don't we? And then each of us have struggles that others haven't, haven't been through. We have unique experiences as well. God is, is so personal and so loving and so caring that he fits all of that together for your good, my good. He fits all of this together so that our lives become a way of conforming us to the image of his son. That's that kind of love. So what does this say about us? It says that we are loved and cared for by God. Again, I want you to think that through because you hear that. God loves you. You hear that and it sort of just runs through, you know, in one ear and out the other, as they say. Think about the God that made everything we know loves you enough to, to want your life to work out to your good. That's, that's kind of amazing. It's awe-inspiring to think that the God who made everything, the God of the Bible, the one true God loves you so much, he wants your life to fit together 
to form you into the image of his son. It's kind of amazing. It also says that each one of us have a purpose. Each and every one of us. I'll say it again. You were made on purpose with a purpose. Now, we're going to talk a little bit later about how you can discover your purpose. But let me just give you a a quick uh, Reader's Digest version right here. You have skills and abilities that have made you who you are. You have experiences that have made you who you are. Those are God-ordained. Those are God-given. And so you are exactly who God intended for you to be today because he fits our life together this way. So that's who you are. You are so loved and cared for by God that that he fit everything in your life together for his purpose for you. So what do we need to do? Well, first of all, this word know, in Greek there's several different types of know. Um, there's There's to know by book learning. There's to know by experience. This this no in this verse is to come to realize something. It's, it's almost intuitive knowledge. It, it's something that you come to realize. So the first thing we must do is come to realize that everything in our lives is God-ordained. Everything in our lives is fitting together for God's purpose. We must come to realize that. And then secondly, and this is the harder one, We need to trust God with what he's doing in our life. Because when when times are hard, it's kind of hard to trust God with it. We want to take over. We want to say, no, God, clearly, this one caught you by surprise, so I'll handle this. You see the theological problem with that? Nothing ever catches God by surprise. So we need to trust God that God is knitting this together. Let me, uh, let me give you a, an, a, an idea here. Would you eat cooking spray? No. Would you eat a cup of unsweet, unsweetened cocoa powder? No. Would you eat two and a half cups of flour? No. Two cups of sugar? You'd be sick. A teaspoon and a half of baking powder? A teaspoon of baking soda? A teaspoon of salt? Three raw eggs? Three-quarters of a cup of vegetable oil. That sounds yummy. Half a cup of sour cream. Would you eat that stuff? No. But what happens when you put this together? It's a chocolate cake. Would you eat chocolate cake? (laughs) You see, God has to put the bitter and the sweet together in our lives to make the chocolate cake. He has to knit this together so that our lives become what he intended them to become. And so we have to take the bitter with the sweet. We have to look past the moment in our life, uh, the moment of suffering. We have to be able to look past that to God's plan for us. We must trust God's plan for our life. So now let's... uh, Now let's kind of take a look at it phrase by phrase. We know that all things work together for good. As I already said, this this no is to come to realize something. It's a decision made. We decide this is for my good. And, And then it says all things. Now, 
I think this is the part we quote the most and believe the least. All things work together for good. Not some things. Not a lot of the things. Not, not, not most of the things. All things work together for our good. As I said, I think we quote this the most and believe it the least because when we're in the midst of suffering, we don't think all things. We're not thinking about God's plan. We're thinking about our suffering. We're thinking about what we're going through. We're stuck in the moment and we're not looking beyond it to, what, to the cake that God wants to make out of our life. You know, Paul writes this, and Paul knew suffering. Uh, let me read you 2 Corinthians 11, 24 and 25. Five times I received 40 lashes minus one from the Jews. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I received a stoning. Three times I was shipwrecked, and I spent a night and a day in the open sea. That's Paul's life. And yet he writes, all things work together for our good. All things. Of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. This promise is made only to those who love God. As I said earlier, I think God is at work in the lives of those who have not responded to him. But clearly this verse says, those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He is he is working in your life. If you have responded to God in love, he is working in your life to put everything together. Now, most of us, uh, or, or most people, I should say, just blame God for when things go bad, right? They just blame God when things are, uh, are going bad, and they don't recognize his, his hand in their life at all. But us, those of us, who have responded to God in love, we can see his hand in our, in our lives in both the good and the bad, in both the bitter and the sweet. And we can see him at work making our life into the cake it's meant to be. We can see it if we love God. Mo many people look at suffering in the world and say that's proof that there is no God. Suffering came into the world because of sin. Sin. God is not the author of suffering. He's the answer to suffering. God answered suffering by entering into it with us in Christ. Jesus, Jesus suffered and died in our place. And so God entered into suffering with us. So God is not the author of suffering. He is the answer to suffering. And as we've seen already, God has a plan for your life. I say it often, and I keep repeating it. You were made on purpose, with a purpose. But you know, this is probably the question that I'm asked more often than any other. What's God doing in my life? What am I supposed to do? What is God's plan for my life? So I'm going to give you just a, a few, uh, I'm, I'm going to give you my thoughts on this issue. How to find out what God has planned for you. The first step is prayer. It's always prayer. Where do you hear God? 
How do you hear God? What is he what is he saying to you in his word through worship? However you hear God the best, what is he saying to you? That's the first step. And I think the second step is realizing if I'm made on purpose with a purpose, then my, who I am matters. What, what is it in my life? What, what do I look out and see that breaks my heart? What breaks your heart? Because that's your heart responding to God's call. What energizes you? What, what are you really interested in and get really piqued over? That's your heart recognizing God's call. So we ask God first. We ask him to speak to us, to reveal it to us. And then we start looking at who we are to see where God wants us. What piques our interest? What breaks our heart? What are your skills and abilities? What can you do? Those are God-given also. Many, many use those skills and abilities to go to work, right? Doctors, nurses, uh, uh, construction, whatever, wherever you might work, God, you are using the skills and abilities that God's given you to make a living. So you have the skills and abilities that God's given you, and you have the ministry place where he placed you, the school, the, the construction site, the plumbing supply place, wherever you are. So you have a ministry place, and you have the skills and abilities that God has given you. And then what are your experiences? What have you been through that, you, that, that has formed who you are today? Because if God works all things together for your good, then he, his purpose for you will be in your experiences as well. So there, there's a, a simple way to look at your life and say, this is, is my purpose from God. What he says, what he tells you, your skills, abilities, what breaks your heart, what piques your interest, and what experiences you have. Because if you're built on purpose with a purpose, then who you are matters. And it matters to what your purpose is. So, this is how you put together who God's made you and what God's made you to do. Simple way to do it. So this verse gives us all of this. The comfort of this verse is God's love for us, his care for us in every single situation in your life. God cares for you. And he is knitting it together, the bitter and the sweet, to make your life the cake he intended it to be. The challenge of this verse is to trust him enough to do it. It's to trust him in the good and the bad to put it together for your good. So my question to you is, do you trust him enough to give him all things? I'm going to ask that you bow your heads for a moment. There's no more important question than you can answer than this one. Do you know that you have responded to God in love? Do you know that Jesus died on that cross for your sin? He took your place. Do you know that God is working together everything in your life for your good? 
Maybe you need to take a step of faith this morning. It's as simple as a prayer, and you can follow along with me in your own words. Say, God, I, I know that I have sin in my life. I've said things wrong. I've done, done things wrong. I've thought things wrong. And I know the Bible calls that sin. But I'm trusting that Jesus died in my place for my sin. And so I'm asking you know, to forgive me because of his finished work on the cross. And I'm asking you to come into my life and show me why you made me. Show me what you made me to do. If you prayed that prayer for the first time this morning, you need to let somebody know. Let one of our deacons know. Come and let me know. Maybe this morning you know Christ, but you may be in the midst of one of those all things. Will you trust him enough today to give it to him? Father, we thank you for this verse. We thank you for the powerful truth that you are working in our lives all the time for our good. We thank you for your love and your care, your sovereignty. We thank you for who you are and for what you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. This is Pastor Jim from Porter Mountain Fellowship. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. These are sermons from our 10.30 a.m. service on Sundays. If you're in the neighborhood, stop by. We're on the corner of Porter Mountain Road and Commerce Drive in beautiful Lakeside, Arizona.